You're listening to News Talk Saga 960. Also streaming live on Saga960am.ca. Welcome back to Midday Matters. I am your friendly host Darshan Maharaja on Saga 960am. We are talking about uh, identity politics, the whole cult of diversity and multiculturalism. And to be frank with you, I have uh, my own um, my own doubts about that. I am not very comfortable with the way things are going and the extent to which it is being pushed. Now, this whole issue came in a sharp discussion when Maxim Bernier, the leader of People's Party of Canada, uh, made a speech here in Mississauga where he laid out some vision of uh, how he would uh, go about addressing these issues if he is elected. And uh, we we are lucky to have uh, one of the People's Party candidates here in studio today, Ian Pretty, who is candidate uh, from Don Valley West Riding. Welcome to the show. Thank thank you very much. you know, this is something that I I am seeing uh, uh, some kind of a reaction to this extreme multiculturalism bubbling up from the immigrant communities as well. It is not just one particular group, right. the so-called old stock Canadians who are um, uh, voicing their objection to this. Um, there was this story in um, uh, the Globe and Mail a few days ago about uh, diversity hiring in medi- medical schools. And... Uh, I wanted your take on uh, where this takes us. I, I had a chance to read that article, and I, I think it 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 sends the those institutions, so the educational institutions and society more broadly, down the wrong path. Because when you start to do things on a quota basis instead of on a merit basis, mm-hmm. uh, there are a number of problems that that creates. Uh, one is that the people who are more qualified to mm-hmm. do something are not able to do it. Mm-hmm. And the people who do end up getting uh, the positions um, are then seen to be only getting the positions because of a quota. So I think it, it very poorly serves everybody involved. And uh, all decisions on uh, entrance to, to post-secondary uh, programs, whatever the specific issue is, or whether it's employment-based, should really be around merit, uh, in my opinion. Right, because uh, first of all, let us look at the case of uh, someone who got in on merit, but happens to belong to a category that is given some leeway. Now, when they come out at the end of the process as qualified doctors, there is no way to tell. And therefore, everybody gets started with the same brush. Uh, This issue has existed in India for a long time. Uh, in the U.S., it's called affirmative action. In India, it's called reservation, which mm-hmm. means a uh, certain number of seats are reserved right. for certain categories of uh, uh, candidates. And uh, it has uh, been a very uh, divisive issue in India. And uh, I was uh, kind of unhappy to see it emerge here in uh, Canada as well, which is supposed to be, uh, from the point of view of the average new Canadian, a merit-based society. Right. So... I'm seeing a potential for social division here. How do you see it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I had this discussion with a, 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 a woman who has a doctorate down in California, and she's a professor at, at, at one of the California colleges. And she was saying on Twitter how wonderful a quota-based system is. Mm-hmm. And I made the point to her that 
I said, look at all the years that you put into the effort to get your doctorate. You know, you had to, you, you went through all the trouble to get through undergrad with excellent marks, mm -hmm. do your master's superbly, mm -hmm. get your doctorate. Mm -hmm. And now you're arguing that there should be a quota system. And I said, would you really want people to view you as not having any ability, but, but getting the position that you had based on a quota? Mm -hmm. And of course, she went silent. Right. And I think it will, it will create division because... It, it, it opens the door to the idea that people will look at, at the roles that, that candidates have gotten and say uh, they only got that because of a quota-based system. We did this as an example within, within the selection of candidates for the, the People's Party of Canada. It's all based on merit. It's all based on what the local ridings wanted, what mm -hmm. the local electoral district associations wanted. Mm -hmm. There was no um, movement or direct uh, dictate from the top of the party that said we need certain quotas fulfilled we need certain gender uh, mm -hmm. ratios fulfilled right. it was just like who's who's right for the job and I think mm -hmm. the local associations have ch have chosen people who are very appropriate for the community where they're from and I think that's the correct way to do it Right. And then, you know, there are certain uh, occupations where uh, the gender ratios are completely out of whack and nobody talks about it for example, garbage collection Right where it is right. uh, almost exclusively male. Right. And nobody talks about restoring the gender balance there. You know, Darshan, when I, when, I, uh, when I went to engineering school, the ratio was probably nine to one, uh, male okay. to female. Okay. And if, if, if the school were to suddenly impose some sort of 50-50 quota on that, mm -hmm. all that that would lead to is females being forced to do something that they don't even have an interest in. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, half and and males not being able to get in the program that that could be their life dream, mm -hmm. right? So it, it's absolutely ridiculous. And the same thing applies to the liberals. If you go back to 2015 when Justin Trudeau spoke proudly about uh, gender balance in his cabinet, mm -hmm. the reason there are fewer women in politics mm -hmm. is fewer women want to go into politics. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. And so to try to balance it and say that the parliament should be 50-50 instead mm -hmm. of the 32% or whatever it is these days mm -hmm. is ridiculous. Like, I think there needs to be some acceptance that the, the genders are, are good at different things, are interested in different things. Right. And there's, nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Right. And, you know, if someone has a liking, I think Canadian society is now open enough to allow them to reach their maximum potential. For example, and this is just one random example. There was a couple of years ago a competition among the snipers right. of various military forces. Typically, I think it was NATO countries. And out of more than 800 contestants, the winner was a Canadian, which makes us proud, but happened to be a lady. Right. She beat out more than 800 snipers, many of whom or majority of whom were male. So if uh, someone wants to pursue their dream, I think we are at a level in our society where they can. Yeah. Now, occasionally people may need uh, support in certain things. But uh, my point about this whole medical school thing is that if uh, at the point of uh, qualifying for uh, admission to a medical school, yeah. if some candidate... Uh, from the designated group uh, is found not to have the sufficient merit or at least not as much as the other candidates, right. then it represents a failure of the entire education system and therefore the time for intervention is at the initial point rather than at the terminal point of the process. Correct. Absolutely. Right? That uh, maybe there are people from uh, <clears throat> disadvantageous financial background. The report talks about single moms and uh, people who use food banks. Yeah. 
सो इफ यू इंटरवीन अर्ली इनफ दे विल क्वालिफाई ऑन मेरिट रादर देन ऑन वेदर देर फैमिली डिपेंडेड ऑन फूड बैंक विच इज काइंड ऑफ एन इरेलीवेंट फैक्टर to consider for admission to a medical school right we're we're a compassionate society and 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 to make sure that everyone has the same opportunities you need things like the public school system to be to be equal for all to have the same level of delivery all around the province that's mm-hmm. an example so that there aren't schools that are worse off so if you have the misfortune of living in that district you mm-hmm. clearly won't have the same opportunity those kind of things need to be addressed mm-hmm. and then ap- after that we're a compassionate society we want everyone to succeed mm-hmm. but part of our platform centers around personal responsibility and and government will will do everything we can do to to give every opportunity to anyone who wants it but after mm-hmm. that point the individual has to take personal responsibility for making their own life succeed and then and then and then succeeding based on the merit that they're bringing to whatever professional field they're they're looking to join right would you agree that going for this kind of a quota system is uh, based on the idea that there should be equality of outcome rather than equality it, of opportunity that's that's right i mean it forces there 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 are two parts of social justice and there's there's a very good video that one of our candidates david haskell let mm-hmm. us know about mm-hmm. the part of social justice that revolves around equal rights is mm-hmm. in, incredibly important and mm-hmm. canada has i mean even going back to the bill of rights which is almost 60 years old mm-hmm. the reason that document's so strong is it says if you're canadian you're mm-hmm. entitled to the exact same rights that every single other person has right regardless of gender regardless of your background religion mm-hmm. uh, sexual orientation Mm-hmm. you are guaranteed the same rights mm-hmm. that's why that document is so strong that part of social justice is fine where it really goes wrong is when you try to force outcomes right for all the reasons that we've been talking about right. you, you have you uh, people who who won't be able to get into something that want to get into something mm-hmm. people who do get into something who shouldn't be there mm-hmm. it's just completely erroneous and it's and it's something that i i think really needs to be done away with right and you know there is this uh, paragraph in this report in globe and mail which uh, basically jumped out at me because and i'll quote it says medical schools used to say their job was to find the best and the brightest but the selection method based on grade point averages the medical college admission test mcat and face to face interview has resulted in classes that fall short of some universities goals for racial and socio economic diversity right now it tells me that giving admission is not the solution here because i see a solution as something that uh, causes the problem to cease to exist right whereas uh, filling that quota is uh, only good for one year next year you will have another quota to fill right it would need to be recalibrated and the same nonsense would come up again i mean the reality is that if if you or i had a medical issue mm-hmm. What do you want in that situation? You want the best professional, most qualified professional possible mm-hmm. dealing with your problem. Right. And they need to go back to trying to attract the best and the brightest. It's mm-hmm. not some archaic thing that we need to do away with. It's mm-hmm. not some legacy from the past that is outdated. It's mm-hmm. the correct and only way to go about doing this. And we need to get back to having those priorities. Right. And you know, if I think of myself as a patient, um first of all if i know that this is happening and people are getting into the medical college uh, based on other factors other right. than merit and that they are uh, sometimes racial minorities yeah then my view of the entire core of doctors belonging to that racial minority changes and changes negatively but i am unable to do anything about it and now i am a patient Right. and uh, i am unable to do anything about it and right. therefore i will take out my frustration on the entire group 
Right. Which is why I say that this is a very divisive uh, way to go. It is. It is absolutely because you're you're not going to get the care that you should have. You're not going to see a professional that's that's properly qualified. Mm-hmm. That will lead to people getting upset about mm-hmm. about the delivery that they're receiving. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely correct. I think it would lead to. I think in any profession, medical or otherwise, it would lead to people blaming the whole profession and and thinking that the profession isn't doing, isn't providing the right level of competency. Even if you do get the proper level of care, <clears throat> your perception going in has been jaundiced, if Absolutely. I may use that Absolutely. word. Absolutely. So, and because <clears throat> the individual is unable to do anything against the system, their frustration comes out in a different way, which is then conveniently classified as racist or bigoted. Right. Those are the buzzwords now. Right. Um, and, you know, there's another story in Toronto Sun that caught my eye this morning, which was about uh, a certain area in Etobicoke where there is a large uh, population of people of Somali origin. Right. And there is a problem with crime and uh, the mothers are upset. Too many of the mothers have lost their sons to uh, uh, crime. Right. And typically, uh, you know, gun violence. And they are speaking out uh, about that. It is possible for them to speak about it. There is a problem in the community. It's possible for them to speak about it because it is their own community. For anyone else to say that this Somali-Canadian community has a crime problem among its youth would be branded as racist. Right, right. So, uh, you know, that is the narrative that uh, I thought when I attended that meeting uh, of Maxim Bernier. I thought he was trying to change. Now, how do you change that? Well, I, th- I think uh, in several ways. I mean, w- part of the part of the strength of what we're offering in our platform in our party is the idea that uh, that everyone is Canadian again. I think this is this is one of the things that, that the other parties uh, are doing, which is always trying to divide the public into certain groups, like mm-hmm. like a, a subset, mm-hmm. of a group that like the one you're mentioning, mm-hmm. and it's important that. I think on, on that issue in particular, it's it's very important if you look at the problems that have happened with, with immigration being mismanaged in, mm-hmm. in Europe, mm-hmm. it's incredibly important that when someone comes here, they feel that they're Canadian. They feel that their fellow Canadians are looking out for them, mm-hmm. they're being treated equally, and not to have sections of society that are being ostracized or marginalized. So I would, I would look very carefully at how to integrate uh, that group. Mm-hmm back into society where they they start to have the same opportunities again um get the kind of education they could have and get away from the the very unfortunate uh direction they're going at at the moment yeah but i see the uh, entire policy of multiculturalism as it is practiced now as being a problem because as a as a newcomer to canada i'm told that i don't need to change right and that we will change yeah. To accommodate your needs. Yeah. Now, there needs to be a compromise as opposed to a capitulation, which is how I see this situation. Part of our platform uh, wants to do away with funding of multiculturalism. And the reason is that we want people to, we're the only party that's talking about being Canadian first. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the other parties are always pandering to the the backgrounds of, of the groups they, that mm-hmm. they came from. Mm-hmm. We all have arrived here at a different time. We all come from a different background. But mm-hmm. the thing that we have in common is that we're Canadian. Right. And I think that we, I, I agree with you completely. I think we need to get away from constantly pushing 
the multicultural side of things and really get back to talking about what it means to be Canadian again mm -hmm. and talking about what unifies us mm -hmm. with regards to values, shared values. <laughs> okay. And rule of law is an example. We mentioned that in the platform. I mean, we take it for granted at times. There are a lot of countries that don't have that, uh, yes. like, like China, for right. example, right? right, which is mistreating Canadians right now. So right. we have values that... that which is the whole reason people want to come here in the first place. That's right. As Tahir Gora expressed to me as an example, who's our candidate. <laughs> yes, I have right. known him for a number of years. And right. uh, <clears throat> in fact, uh, some years ago, I think this was in 2006, when uh, the push was on to bring uh, Sharia law right. in uh, governing the personal law of uh, Muslim Ontarians. Right. And uh, Tahir Gora was one of the Muslims who pushed back against that. And finally, you know, it was a small group. Uh, Tariq Fatah was uh, part of that group as well, right. several other Muslims, and uh, it was possible for them to push back without uh, any, uh, you know, reaction, yeah. adverse reaction, because they happen to belong to the same group. Right. And I've always believed that any kind of reform will have to come from within the community itself. Mm -hmm. uh, each community has its own set of problems. I mean, mm -hmm. we are all human. Yeah. But uh, any kind of uh, corrective action or reform will have to come from within the community, which means to me. And maybe I'm being a libertarian here, but uh, the government needs to get out of the way. It's it certainly, yes, it, it certainly needs to stop promoting a non-Canadian angle, if I can put it that way. Like, like that, that, that multiculturalism is more important than being Canadian. I think we need, we need, we really need to get back to, to uh, being Canadian again. And, and yeah, I agree. I, I agree that the government is doing a lot of harm in this area by having funding for multiculturalism that takes us further away from being Canadian. Canadian. Right, because it keeps people within their um, own uh, cultural boundaries. Now, that's a nice way of putting yeah. it. There are other words also, yeah. ethnic silos, cultural silos, or uh, ghettos, right? How do you get rid of that? Because multiculturalism, I think it uh, originates from the constitution itself, and uh, therefore, any uh, move to repeal multiculturalism act uh, would fall afoul of uh, constitutional requirements. I, I don't think it would be, I don't think it's a constitutional problem at all, okay. because I think the the unifying, again, going back to things like the Bill of Rights, the, mm -hmm. it's 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 the forces that unify us that mm -hmm. matter. Right. And those are very entrenched. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and even if you look at the charter, I mean, there's, there's no, it, it, the whole, the whole point of that is mm -hmm. is to ensure that everyone has the same rights it's not right. to enforce division which i think the multicultural act does so i'm not worried at all constitutionally i think it's just a question of how the government feels mm -hmm. the direction of the society should go mm -hmm. and in my opinion the funding of that act uh promotes division and disunity rather than unity which brings the country together yeah but you know the moment you talk about canadian values you get branded as a racist I, I, you know, I've heard that, but I, I, I the, 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 our critics who say that I fundamentally disagree because I mentioned rule of law earlier. We actually put that as, as on our website in terms of what we do value as a country, mm -hmm. equality between man and woman, as mm -hmm. an example, right. with regards to rights. There are mm -hmm. multiple countries, Saudi Arabia, to use one example, that, that isn't there yet. You know, yes. I talked about the, uh, the issues like freedom of the press, mm -hmm. freedom of assembly. Mm -hmm freedom of your ability to express yourself without being imprisoned, right? Mm -hmm. These are things that we, these are freedoms that, that a lot of places do not have. 
Right. And we have to get back to those are those are what unite us as Canadians. That's why uh, the majority of people move here. It's because they 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 believe in those that, those set of values mm-hmm. as Canadian values. Yes. And if we erode them, if we start eroding them, then we become a society that doesn't believe in unity anymore and doesn't believe in freedom anymore. And that's a very dangerous direction. Right. Now, let's talk about your riding. Uh, yeah. What kind of um, feeling do you get uh, within your riding? Uh, it's it's a very interesting riding. It has a number of different characteristics. So, mm-hmm. Thorncliffe Park is it actually is it has one of the highest uh, Muslim percentages in in all of Ontario. Right. Uh, actually, I think of the country as far as mm-hmm. I know. Uh, so that's in Thorncliffe Park. Um, there's there's a variance of of income levels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's generally. Uh, middle to to upper class for the most part, mm-hmm. very high education level. Mm-hmm. I get asked some very sophisticated questions as mm-hmm. I'm out campaigning. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have uh, I we have seen a, a very positive response to our platform so far because mm-hmm. the point I've been making in the last few weeks is that. It, it, we we are offering something very different in this mm-hmm. election that the other parties are are offering, and I actually think that gulf is widening, and it's more because it's more for any reason that the the Conservative Party is, is basically trying to replicate the Liberal Party. So every week that goes by, we're we're able to say to our constituents, we are offering something very very different. You know that that is a big big improvement on the way things are functioning now. So the reception's been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, I've I've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of it is the way I'm looking at it is it's a bit of an education mission. It's a new party, mm-hmm. so a lot of people aren't familiar with the the platform. Uh, we have a sheet that that covers the details of the party that has mm-hmm. been very helpful to mm-hmm. to letting people know uh, what, what what we're all about mm-hmm. and. We're trying to get that to as many people as possible. We're in a race against time. We want everyone to be informed as, as they can about our party, and then and then hopefully uh, uh, support us on election day. Right. So you know, I guess I have to ask you first of all, what was your political affiliation earlier, and um, have you um, run for any office before, and uh, uh, what made you uh, decide to enter the fray this time? I have never run for anything. Mm-hmm. I, frankly, given the way the other parties operate, uh, I looked into it at the provincial level mm-hmm. uh, as well. I would not be interested in even doing this job if the People's Party didn't exist. Right. Because uh, it's uh, if if you look at the if you look at the uh, other parties, there's this dictatorship that comes down from the top of the party. Mm-hmm. That's like if you look at the deselection of Salim Mansur as an example, mm-hmm. they're clearly saying to him. You know, there are things that you can say. There are things that you cannot say. Mm-hmm. You're not welcome in this party mm-hmm. if you're going to violate that. Mm-hmm. We have. We need to get back to what we're doing and what what happens in Westminster over in the UK, where the mm-hmm. MPs have much more freedom right. to speak openly against their own government, for mm-hmm. example, their own front bench. Mm-hmm. Canadians haven't seen that in many decades. It's basically been lost because no one here has any idea how Parliament is is supposed to function. Right. So the great thing about the People's Party is is we have. We all believe in the platform. We all think the platform uh, gets the would get the country back in the right direction. But we're, you're not going to see this dictatorship that happens in the other parties. The Liberals, in a, as an example, you cannot be pro-life yes. if you want to be an MP in the Liberal Absolutely. Party. Absolutely. They, they won't be even allowed to run yeah. for nomination. Great. And my, from a personal standpoint, I was a member of the Conservative Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, I began to get really, really disgusted on the issue of supply management. You know, consumers are paying $3.6 billion a year more across mm-hmm. the country for poultry and mm-hmm. dairy products. Mm-hmm. Um, and sheer 
goes to support them, when knowing it's only 19,000 people as part of a special interest group, mm -hmm. to the detriment of 37 million Canadians who now have to pay higher grocery prices. Mm -hmm. So we are on the side of, of the people. We're on the side of the taxpayer, on the mm -hmm. consumer. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, we, we don't do special interests. We, mm -hmm. we're, we're not looking out for, for various voting blocks and subsets of society. We're saying what's correct for, for all society. So I was, I was very happy to leave the Conservative Party. There was no confusion in my mind. Mm -hmm. As soon as this party existed, I joined immediately. <clears throat> right. Now, talking about the spectrum yeah. of politics, and yeah. this, uh, you know, this spectrum, the definition has its own limitations, but ignoring those, there is the left and there is the right. Right. And uh, on the left, you have uh, primarily three parties vying now. Greens are doing much better than they were doing earlier. Right. And uh, basically, as I see it, eating uh, NDP's support level, but right. to a degree, liberal support level as well, because there are certain issues with which uh, some uh, liberal-minded people, and I'm talking capital and liberal here, they are not happy with the current government so they uh, that is one the left uh, part of the spectrum on the right side uh, nationally it's uh, the conservatives and the people's party yeah and uh, of course there is going to be a split in the vote so uh, there is a possibility that the conservative party because of their support base eroding away uh, may not uh, form a majority Right. And then if there is a minority position, then the <coughs> liberals may be able to gain support from either the Greens or NDP. And then you would still have a continuation of the current policies. So how do you counter that risk? We did uh, two polls and I did one myself on Twitter because mm -hmm. what we were looking to prove is that we're not a carve out from the Conservative Party. Mm -hmm. And what the polls came back with, the question that we asked was, if you intend to support the People's Party in the October election, what did you do in the 2015 election? Mm -hmm. And the numbers that came back were that only half, about half our supporters were Conservative supporters in 2015. 23% mm -hmm. didn't vote, which is, I think, a very interesting category. Right. Because it, that clearly shows that there were a lot of people who just didn't feel they had any right. kind of option that they could support right. four years ago and now have something that they really believe in. 17% mm -hmm. liberal and 10% from the other parties. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a very valuable poll because it really it really allows us to say to the to the the conservative supporters we're not vote splitting you know yes half the members came but that's only half there's mm -hmm. still the other half of the segment that that did different things that mm -hmm. weren't conservative at all right and the other thing i'd point out too is you you use the word libertarian earlier mm -hmm. um we have features in our platform that don't neatly fit into the left-right spectrum. Right. And uh, corporate bailouts is a great example. Mm -hmm. We have the Liberal and Conservative Party that, that have done crony capitalism for 152 years in this country. Mm -hmm. They intend to keep doing it. The Conservatives mm -hmm. are no better, mm -hmm. even though they, they went, you know, all to great lengths to blame uh, Trudeau for what happened with SNC-Lavalin. The mm -hmm. reality is that Andrew Shears met with SNC-Lavalin multiple times and would do the exact same nonsense. They've always done this. And so when we say no corporate bailouts, that's attracted um, in the writing beside me and in my writing, we have a number of supporters who are actually lifelong NDP people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another example that shows that our supporters are not conservative background. I mean, they're very attracted. Those individuals are very attracted to our party because we, because no corporate bailouts are part of a mm -hmm. central part of the NDP platform. Mm -hmm. So I think our spectrum, our, 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 our platform should not really be thought of as conservative, mm -hmm. but rather more 
like a limited a limited government west interventionist mm-hmm. sort of idea and i think mm-hmm. part of the confusion that that uh, that's that's being caused for a lot of people is no one knows what the conservative party is doing these days because they're basically in trying to imitate the liberal party um as an example not not even committing to balancing the budget within one term they're now talking about five years i mean right. the party's just become ridiculous so that's adding to the confusion is that they're not even conservative anymore. Yeah, but you know, you talk about, uh, let's say, corporate welfare. Now, there are two ways of looking at it. Let's say there is a situation like uh, what we had in 2008. And uh, major corporations had to be propped up by government funding. Otherwise, uh, the impact on economy would have been uh, catastrophic. Now, you can scale it down to one individual company and it having the same catastrophic uh, impact on in its geographical area. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of a slippery slope as I see it. Uh, very difficult to make a judgment call and uh, I've always believed that in any society regardless of the system of governance that they have, there are only two political parties. Those who are close to the center of power and those who are not close to the center of power. Right. And the whole objective of being close to the center of power is to benefit from that position. Mm-hmm. Now, this uh, classification is not um, uh, not rigid. It is very dynamic. Right. People move in and out of that position. But there is a core group that remains in that position for a long time. Yeah. So, you know, because the corporations are close to the center of power, at some point it becomes a political imperative to support them, especially when they're down. That's been that's been the history in the country. But I want to point out why that is not needed. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you look at, for to use two of the larger examples, Bombardier and SNC Lavalin, mm-hmm. these are two companies that are publicly traded. And mm-hmm. in the case of Bombardier, um, the, the family owners of it refuse to change the share structure so that they can then go out and raise capital themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. They work with investment bankers all year long. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have access to debt markets and equity markets. Mm-hmm. And the argument that, that the liberals... Uh, give, which is that jobs need to be saved, is absolutely ridiculous. If you look at the performance of, in particular, SNC Lavalin, mm-hmm. their results have been horrendous. And it's because the management, the company's being utterly mismanaged. Mm-hmm. They've been sanctioned overseas due to dodgy yes. practices in Libya. Right. Uh, they, they've been penalized over and over again by international consortiums who refuse mm-hmm. to even deal with them. Right. I mean, there's no amount of billions that of federal tax hours that you can give a management if mm-hmm. they're if they're going to be that ridiculous. Right. So I completely reject the idea that the liberals say, uh, "Oh, it's about saving jobs." It's, it has absolutely zero to do with saving jobs and everything to do with with what they're doing. Is now that we've got rid of um, corporate donations mm-hmm. to federal parties after the Gomery inquiry. Right. The expectation when they bail out a company like SNC Lavalin is. The executives, their spouses, their children, if they're voting age, and the family dog mm-hmm. all turn around and donate $1,600 maximum back to the party. And that's why that article appeared in the CBC a couple weeks ago that said the Liberal Party got $110,000 from SNC Lavalin. That's the expectation. That's why the Liberals are giving those companies that money, is to get donations in return. It has nothing to do with jobs. Right. SNC is, of course, a a very clear-cut case. But uh, I'm talking about uh, more about the principle of um, uh, government intervention in private enterprise. Yeah. And where there may be a genuine uh, case to be made for, uh, let's say, in the case of a serious downturn in the economy or a particular sector, where, uh, you know, you may need to look at the people who are going to be affected by the company failing. 
Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's that's an approach that was that that generally revolved around Keynesian economics back in the yes. '60s, where you you can spend more uh, mm-hmm. at a government level to try to get uh, unemployment in a, a more favorable situation. But mm-hmm. I, I really believe in the long run, it causes far more problems than it solves because you wind wind up with higher and higher levels of federal debt, mm-hmm. a higher level of, of debt to GDP. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. There are crisis moments where something truly uh, may need to be, if it's systemic, like the banks mm-hmm. in the United States, mm-hmm. even though I still think there's a strong argument that that didn't need to happen either, believe it or not. But uh, these, what's the, the corporate welfare that's going on now mm-hmm. has absolutely nothing to do with economic or job needs. I think that's it's really important to stress that. <clears throat> yeah, I think we have uh, reached a point in our economy in North America where everybody is so highly leveraged that any downturn uh, spreads like malaise. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> so many people, it's supposed to be the ownership society, so we are not just inv- invested in our properties yeah. but also in our stocks which are tied to our retirement and therefore uh, it becomes politically expedient to be doing something about it, although strictly from a libertarian point of view or uh, the Austrian school yeah. of economics. Right. Uh, that amounts to malinvestment. Right. And uh, it is a wasted opportunity right. because there needs to be a process of creative destruction. Only thing is when you are at the receiving end of the destruction, it doesn't sound very appealing. <laughs> and uh, therefore, it will be an appeal <clears throat> task uh, convincing people that this is actually a better policy to have. It's, it's like the famous Churchill quote, right? Capitalism is horrible except for all the other uh, systems, <laughs> something along those lines. It's right. true. It's true. If you're on the – if you're on an, if you're part of an industry that is in a, is disappearing, mm-hmm. it's unpleasant. There's no question about it. But that's that's – but you, you have to go through retraining. You, capital has to go to new places so that mm-hmm. new jobs are created and, mm-hmm. and people have to have the – be dynamic enough to potentially shift to a new career. That's that's the only way capitalism can work properly. And it, it is unpleasant for people to have to go through it, but it has mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah, and you know, talking about job losses, uh, it's very interesting because on one hand, we have this phenomenon of outsourcing or offshoring where uh, millions of jobs have uh, disappeared. Right. Economy has basically been hollowed out. And uh, that never gets into discussion in the way that a corporate bailout does. <laughs> Uh, so, it, would it uh, be a priority for the People's Party to uh, to at least see that this outsourcing or offshoring is done in a sensible manner? Well, I mean, I think part of the, tr- the reason that trend has happened is we need to be competitive in more areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in my industry, for example, a lot of the software, a lot of the project work that I've done, a lot of the software was was outsourced because mm-hmm. it can be done for cheaper rates in, in other countries. Right. There will always be countries that textiles, to name mm-hmm. another area, right, mm-hmm. where things can. We've lost all that industry, and it's and it will never come back because it is. Uh, it can be done much more cheaply. Mm-hmm. But the way to get Canada as competitive as possible in as many areas as possible, mm-hmm. which would then mean that we would need to do as little outsourcing as possible, mm-hmm. is things like having business tax being as low as possible, having uh, the federal budget situation in balance so that for we attract foreign investment, mm-hmm. reducing as many tariffs as possible, mm-hmm. as Singapore did when it was kicked out of Malaysia in 1965. They right. immediately unilaterally cut all tariffs. Mm-hmm. The UK is now working aggressively post-Brexit to to do uh, to have as, as, as much free trade as they possibly can, mm-hmm. and probably will with Canada too, if we had a proper government. And so that's a taxation on Canadian consumers. If we get if we were to get rid of uh, international trade barriers, internal barriers as well. 
all. Mm-hmm. That's one of the big things in our platform, yes. which is which is a ridiculous drag on the Canadian economy. Um, if we get rid of interprovincial trade barriers, you'll see smaller businesses flourish. Mm-hmm. Fewer things will need to be outsourced, mm-hmm. and there'll be far more opportunity for the citizens here. Actually, to that degree, I believe the nation-building part of Canada is incomplete. Yep. Because if I cannot trade with uh, someone in my own country, because provinces are guarding their tongue, <coughs> yeah. while I can trade with anybody else in the world, then we have that part of nation building yet to be done. Absolutely. I mean, we, we went up to Bolton and uh, visited a, a small business that uh, produces cider. Okay. And uh, and I the first thing, the question I asked the president was, how does inter, uh, interprovincial trade affect you? And he said, we could we could probably triple or quadruple our volumes mm-hmm. if we could simply sell to other provinces without mm-hmm. having a ridiculous tariff applied. So right. that part of our platform, we we want to work very aggressively on that because it's again, it's another thing that the liberals and conservatives haven't done anything about. That's just it's simply their record. They don't care. We want to work aggressively with the provinces to to bring bring all these tariffs down and start having much freer trade uh, within the country. And I agree, it would be a great nation-building exercise. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. Well, thank you very much, Shine Pretty, for uh, coming to our studio today and explaining part of your platform to our listeners. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Most welcome. Stay tuned, folks. Uh, we are going to continue this discussion on too much diversity, too much multiculturalism on the other side of this break. <laughs> 